welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I want to talk about something that is common to all of us in today's podcast. It is arguing. It is unavoidable from time to time. We are fallen people living in a fallen world, and we do fallen things. And if you live in proximity to another person over a period of time, you are going to have arguments with that person. The truth is, we shouldn't agree on everything. We should be different. Imagine if we were all the same. Well, I can't quite imagine that. So differences are great. Differences are fantastic, especially in a marriage especially in a family and in a local church, because differences is what helps us to grow. People have a different perspective on things, and sometimes that perspective can be better than mine, or it can be better than yours. And so differences are a wonderful thing. Now, the problem is, is, well, you know, sin Sin has a way of crawling into our relationships and taking our differences and flipping them over. And, and rather than coming together and uniting and growing and learning from each other, we do argue from time to time. So what I want to do in this podcast is I want to give you five helpful tips for arguing well. So since we do argue, let's have some tips for arguing well. It is impossible to live in a fallen world and not argue or disagree with another person. From birth to grave, disappointments and disagreements are part of our life. And that is our Adamic tendencies. And those tendencies are stacked against us, which is going to make it impossible for you. Especially if, you, if you're thinking about marriage. I mean, this is great for anyone, but if you're thinking about marriage, you really want to nail this. You want to nail this as early as possible in your life so that all your future relationships, especially your most meaningful relationships, have a good chance of surviving well. And because this is a universal problem, it is wise for us to learn how to argue well with each other. And so let's get into these five tips. If you want to know more about anger, you can go to this article on the website, rickthomas.net. The title's the same, Five Helpful Tips for Arguing Well. I have three other articles here. One's called The Hidden and Surprising Side of Anger. The second one, Anger Does Not Get All the Credit It Deserves. And the third one, What is Righteous Anger? Because people ask that question often when they talk about anger. All anger can't be sinful, correct. Doesn't have to be. I wish it wasn't. But what is righteous anger? I have an article on a podcast that walks through that. Tip number one, a big one. Expect the obvious. Five helpful tips for arguing well. Tip number one, expect the obvious. A right understanding of the doctrines of humanity and the doctrine of Humanity and the doctrine of sin will bring your expectations down to a realistic level. There are no authentic, innate, self-righteous people in the world today. We're all sinners. Nobody is righteous, no, not one, and so expect the obvious. No one has escaped the curse of Adam. 
If another person's sin is a surprise to you, you have forgotten the obvious. Sin is the one thing we all do very well. Sigh. I'm not making a case for anyone to sin. I'm not saying go out and sin more because you're good at it. I'm not making light of sin. I am just stating the obvious. We are sinners. If you enter into a relationship, and if you want to do that relationship well, then expect it. Anticipate it. I mean, you don't have to be suspicious about the person. You don't have to be negative about the person. You don't have to be pessimistic about the relationship. But don't be surprised if they sin. They, like you, are not perfect. And so tip number one, expect the obvious. Number one, uh, number two, rather, be suspicious. The only time when suspicion is allowed is when you are suspicious of yourself. You knew I was going to say that, right? No, we don't want to be suspicious of other people, but you should have a healthy dose of biblical self-suspicion. Jesus said it, said that in Matthew 7, 3 through 5, that if you realize the log is in your eye, you are in an excellent place to engage another sinner. Be suspicious of yourself. There's a hummer log in your eye, and there's only a speck in your friend's eye. I am well aware that I have levels of self-deception working in me which can distort how I perceive conflict, how I perceive the other person. An individual who is humbly suspicious of himself or herself is a person who has a right understanding of his Adamicness. Now, you don't have to be negative and critical about yourself or even pessimistic, but be humble Have self-suspicion knowing that you may not have it all right. You may not be perceiving things the way you think you are. So number one, expect the obvious. Number two, be suspicious. Number three, remember who you were. My sin put Christ on the cross. Because of my sin, the Father executed his Son on the cross. Because of my sin, the Son willingly chose to die on the cross. It is my sin that put the Son on that tree. I am the biggest sinner that I know. The things that people have done to me do not compare to what I have done to God. The ultimate offended power All other sins cannot compare to the sin that I have committed. Paul understood this even at the end of his life, which is why he said in his first book to Timothy, 1.15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost you will find that there is a correlation between how a person thinks about themselves and what they have done to Christ and the gratitude and the humility that they have and the mercy that they extend to other people. He who is forgiven much, loves much, serves much, grateful much, Now, we don't wallow in the reality that I'm the chief of sinners. You shouldn't wallow in the reality that you are the foremost sinner that you know. 
but it is true. You know more about yourself. You know more about your wrongs than anything that any, all the things that any of your friends have done, but we don't wallow there. Paul knew he had a great God who showed mercy on him. That's why he followed up in verse 16, but God showed mercy to the chief of sinners. Most assuredly, I can extend a similar kind of mercy toward another individual. This is, I love Matthew 18, 33. I won't give you the context now. We'll move on, but I do want to share the verse with you. The master said to the unforgiving man, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. Number three, remember who you were. Number four, ask questions. Typically, I charge into conflict making statements rather than asking questions. It's a big problem. I'm rarely suspicious of my tendency to be self-deceived, which motivates me to state my opinion with insufficient data. More times than not, it would have been better for me to ask more questions before stating my perspective. Not sure if you have ever done that. You see a situation, you see where someone has wronged someone, maybe wronged you, and you charge right in there, making statements, making accusations, but you haven't fully understood the situation because of my high opinion of my views and the rightness that I feel. I I tend not to ask enough questions, choosing instead to make more statements. Here's a key doctrinal truth right here. You are not omniscient. Whatever you know about a situation, you do not know everything about that situation, and that is important. Now, if we are doing the other things, remembering who we were, we put Christ on the cross, we have a humble self-suspicion of ourselves, and we are expecting the obvious from our friends, then we want to enter into that situation asking questions first before we start making statements because we know we don't have all the data. Number five, little to die over. Think about your past arguments. Many of them, if not most of them, were little to die over. As I reflect on my past arguments, it is hard to remember any of them that were important enough to sin against God and sin against another person. I remember as a kid getting into an argument with my four brothers. There were five of us in a family. We were all born six years apart. A lot of boys that were clustered in a short time frame. We were arguing over a Snickers bar. We were very poor, and on that day, we had only one candy bar. Five boys, one candy bar, and none of us loved God or each other. One brother measured the candy with a ruler, but did not divide the five parts equally. Now, I don't remember exactly, but I'm sure it was just a millimeter or so off. An argument ensued. A fight broke out. Sadly, many of my arguments have not evolved much beyond the trivialities of dividing a candy bar. The title of this podcast is Five Helpful Tips for Arguing Well. You can read all about it on our website, rickthomas.net. I do have a few questions for you to think about to go with each one of these five points. Perhaps you're currently in a disagreement with someone. 
may I ask you some questions? Based on the five tips that I just shared with you and encourage you to respond to God first and then to the person with whom you may have a conflict with. The first one is, the tip was expect the obvious. So I call this expectations. Are you surprised your offender has done wrong? I mean, assuming that they have done wrong, you're also incorporating my other tip here. You're asking questions first. Maybe you find out they didn't do wrong. But are you surprised your offender has done wrong? Can you extend grace to them? If not, why not? If not, then you have missed the point of the gospel. God showed mercy to us. Expect sinners to do what sinners do without being pessimistic, suspicious, cynical, or negative or critical. Just expect the obvious. Number two, suspicious. Are you more suspicious of yourself or your friend? Huge question in light of Matthew 7, the log and the speck, or plank, the log and the plank. If you are genuinely more suspicious of yourself, you will respond in grace to your offender. Number three, remember, you remember this tip, remember who you were, who is the most significant sinner you know? It should be the person that you you have the longest list, the longest sin list. And by the way, that is you. If you say anything other than yourself, then you do have some work to do, some serious heart work. But if you believe you are the worst sinner you know, you can extend mercy to your offender because of the mercy God extended to you. Number four, questions. Do you think you have all the facts? Ask yourself if you're missing anything. Assume you are. Get more data. Ask more questions. And make fewer statements. Number five, trivialities. How important is it for you to be right? How important is the issue in which you are arguing? Is this a hill where you want to die? Will you go to the person that you are in conflict with and seek to reconcile the relationship? Redemption is a great way to end an argument. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.